Scotty, Scotty. Well, it's time for you to get your ass in gear. Oh, is wait, that it? it was... That is that it? <laughs> really? It's just a little. It's just a little bit. It's like yo. It's. I I really don't know what to say. I mean, you know, that's that must have taken you what a half a second to come up with and and practice and configure. Uh, oh, I'm not practicing config. No, you just made it up as you went along, didn't you? I just, uh, well, this may surprise you, but sometimes I just say whatever shit comes to mind. And what had been on my mind recently, I've, I've been helping the foul child with his college applications, and I've been editing a video which kind of talks about his robotics career and his experience of, of trying to do it uh, at a school that was... At, first kind of has been actively hostile to the poor team, you know, not letting them have a classroom when they really desperately need an indoor workspace. And then, then, you know, them building a, a, a their own shed to, so that they could have a place to store their large tools and having that get broken into twice. And then the school taking pity on them saying, all right, fine, you can move your equipment inside. And then the, the COVID lockdown happens and the track soundtrack for all this is, uh, my son performing a segment from Don Giovanni. Um, and there is, a, as, you, as happens when you edit video, you go over segments over and over again. And there was some segment, which I really liked the rhythm of it, of the part that he was doing. Um, and it that went something along the line. So that's, that's where I got that. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I mean, I do because I like talking about my child. But I have other things that 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 our half listener might care about. Would you like to hear one? I think we probably should. I'm not sensing much enthusiasm. I think you're just saying, okay. Wait a minute. Let's, let's redo that. Let's read that, John. I can think of nothing that I would <laughs> like more in the entire world right now than for you to move on to something relevant. Okay, I'm I'm sensing yet more sarcasm. <laughs> <in there. laughs> Honestly, Scotty, I think you're very mean sometimes, and I, I'm going to enjoin our listener, which, oh, by the way, can I mention this before we get started? Do you know who is among our our, our rotating listener now? No, you surprise me. None other than our best friend, and, and I, dear, I dearly and truly do love this man, Jeppy. As in... Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so, ciao, Jeppy. Anyway... All right, so this is this is the 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 programming section of of the podcast. So uh, I got to do something which made me a little bit happy in that uh, since we fairly recently, like in the last month or so, uh, dropped support for iOS fourteen, which is very good, which allows us to use better APIs. And and among those APIs which became available in iOS fifteen is a pure Swift attributed string object, which. Um, is actually really good. So, you know, many of the classes, the foundation classes, which are, are bridged, you know, I can see in the evolution of what Apple did is like, okay, well, get rid of the prefix because prefixes are kind of a an objective C thing. So you may find like, you know, what it's called notification center, or, you know, on, on the Swift side really is the NS notification center. It's just, it's just kind of a, some some naming changes. But in the case of attributed string, the Swift attributed string really has nothing to do with NS attributed string other than it, you can create one from the other, but it, it really is its own standalone implementation of, of 
something that lets you take runs of ASCII text and apply attributes to them at various different ranges. And of course, the attributes can be anything you want from, you know, specifying the font or the paragraph, you know, settings or adding text attachments. So you can have inline, you know, images that, that float along with the text and all that kind of good stuff that you're used to using from, from you know, NS attributed string. The APIs are, are nicer to use. They're certainly swiftier <laughs> or fully swifty. But the main thing, the thing that really brought some excitement and utter joy to my otherwise miserable experience where I'm constantly being beaten down by you on these 30-minute segments when we're together and it takes me an entire week of trying to pump myself back up by, by having some small accomplishments. But the thing that they have support for is attributed strings let you take text formatted in Markdown and then have that automatically convert it into what I think would have been attributes, but it's not. So Markdown, as everybody's, everybody is familiar, is, is a text-only, you know, uh, inline markup, so to speak, that that is human readable but can be interpreted to turn it into something richer. And it was invented by none other than John Gruber of Daring Fireball fame and then a guy named Aaron Swartz, Swartz, I think, Aaron Swartz, Swartzman, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, what's nice about it is that if you want to specify something as bold rather than putting, you know, open bracket, you know, whatever, less than sign, B, close, you know, greater than sign and putting the markup in the thing, you just use kind of two asterisks or one asterisk if you want italic and so on and so forth. And if you want to spy, if you want to have spaces, you just hit a character turn as it, as it reads is how it gets interpreted mostly. So, and I think that's really good. But the reason why I want to have this is that uh, for some of the things I'm working on there, there are kind of like whole paragraphs of instructional text. And if you had to construct it with NS attributed strings, it becomes really tricky because you then have to basically piece together the, the entire string using segments. So you can say, well, this segment is supposed to be in bold, so I need to have that as a separate string. Why? Because you need to be able to know the range of the string, and then you can apply the bold attributes versus just doing it in markup. And this was kind of a, a fairly common practice that, that people in the old world of NS attributed strings would do. They can say, oh, well, why don't we just use HTML? And that's the big can of worms because HTML can have absolutely anything. You know, you either do your roll your own or use somebody else's and say just for, for the sake of having a subset of HTML markup to be able to use like bold or italic or, or non-breaking space or something like that and forget about all the other stuff, you can do it. But, oh my God, I keep pulling deeper on this. I've used those things before and, and, and you can end up having real performance problems because behind the scenes, what ends up happening is an instance of, of, of essentially a WebKit is running in the background where they basically, you know, Apple has one set of, of, of parsing infrastructures they spin up as this, you know, and, and they will just blast your fragment of text to that running process and spit it back out for you. But that's a whole lot of overhead just to be able to figure out that this range of text should be made bold, for example. Whereas if you have a much, much, much simpler uh, implementation where you're just looking for asterisks, for example, to indicate that something has emphasis, uh, that's that's a much simpler parsing problem and doesn't require much overhead and is vastly more performant and is also easier to manage. It's a whole lot less code. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is really great. And I start implementing it, and then I then I realize that that when you pass the markup to the attributed string, 
it doesn't spit out an NS attributed string that you can use in your old infrastructure that you can like set on a line of text. It just basically says, well, I've determined that the asterisk around there means the text should has the intention of being emphasized, or if it's two asterisks, it will be strongly emphasized or bold. So I went and searching and found some techniques for doing it. And there's a last step that you have to do where you can basically replace the intentions with actual attributes that might be, for instance, instances of a of a dynamic bold of font. You know, dynamic meaning that it will it will it will adjust its size for the user's preferred content size. And so uh, all through that whole adventure, I got something that's working really really nicely and uh, makes life much happier. Are you sensing my happiness? The joys of being able to use newer APIs. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So that was my happiness. What was your happiness of this week? Uh, well, I'm going to maybe do a reverse tale. Um, <laughs> of woe? Yeah, well, not woe. It's more... Um, in one of the applications I work on, uh, we yeah, it uses quite a few third-party libraries for, for different reasons. Um, and uh, one of those is an interface to quite a well-known service. And for historical reasons, um, the previous developers um, forked that library mm-hmm. uh, to make some additions to it, to expose some a few things that were um, inside the library that weren't necessarily exposed to the public, which, which we should say, is potentially a little dangerous because you would assume that if a company is making an SDK available um, to you, they will expose, on the whole, you would assume they'll be exposing all useful or stable information. And if they've not exposed something, then maybe it's because they're not guaranteeing it or something like that. So, you know, the very act of exposing something from inside a library, you know, is, and I'm not saying it's a definite no-no, but you should definitely be very careful about about doing. But, of course, you know, this, this happened in the past and it, and it made um, some other code in the app easier because now you can access these couple of properties that this these changes have made. But, of course, you know, this happened two and a half years ago. Um, so since then, there have been like 800 commits to the, the main library, but, uh, you know, they're absolutely zero to the forked version because no one has ever gone back and updated it. Um, and so, you know, this really is the, you know, the, the problem with when you, you know, when, when you fork a library, you remove yourself from automatically getting bug fixes and version things from there. Now, of course you can definitely do it you know updating updating your version of a forked library from its source is not as easy as it should be i'm not saying it's that difficult but it really is not it's not as easy as it 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 could be on on github um it's definitely got easier than it used to be um but again you know how often do people do it and you could argue well you don't necessarily want to be updating libraries anyway but it's just a, a a warning really that why um yeah, what it's why I've been basically um, because we want to make some changes around some of these areas that this library is being used for. Um, you know, been looking at uh, you know, is there a better way of doing this? Um, is there a better way of uh, making some of this work? Now, it, it turns out that um, the the 
the thing that was being exposed was a property that wasn't exposed was actually a property of something that was exposed so this could have just been done with a swift extension on a class inside your own thing from the library so didn't need to fork the library for that bit of it there's a couple of little bits in there but yeah so basically i'm trying to work out is there a better way of using this library to make it work the way we want to use it rather than having to fork and use our own version because basically what the reality will be is i'll do this work and then no one will look at it again for two years and until we have a problem and it's not that we need new features from this. We don't. And it's a big library, so I should imagine, you know, if the 800 commits, maybe two, three, five, I don't know, I'm guessing, affect affect the bit we're using. But the point is, you know, if there's bug fixes, if there's performance improvements, you just miss out on those and don't get them. So I guess uh, my, my um, uh, moral of the story is, you know, it, it could feel really like a, a quick and easy way of getting stuff done to fork. I mean, firstly, people using the third-party library feels like a quick and easy way. Um, sometimes you shouldn't even be doing that. Most people will know my thoughts on that. In this case, we have to use the library. There are good, valid reasons for using it. But then forking it, need to think carefully because you're making fairly long-term commitment on that. So there we are. For fork's sake, think about it. And you know, you know what Sam Sam, the whistling man in the background is saying. That's not Sam. That's that's Barky the failure dog. I've taught him to whistle. <laughs> that's very impressive. I don't know if that's true. Either either you've you've taken a dog to human level or you've taken a human and reduced them to dog level. And I don't know, even if even to say reducing is probably not accurate because I think dogs are probably smarter. <laughs> Dogs and cats and oftentimes are smarter than human beings. That is very true. So there we are. That's uh, that's one of the things that I have been uh, be, be, be looking at this week is, is that. So, John, do you have anything else you want to share this week? Anything that has struck you? Um, I'm, trying, I'm thinking back a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, give me a second while I, I think about what I can say and what I can't say. Um it's definitely more along the theme that I've been hammering along that it 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 is so much more difficult to figure out exactly what you what you need to do and to get agreements than it is to write any of the code that actually does what you agree to do. And I know I've, I've probably said that a thousand times in the last couple of weeks, but there were some things that I, I kind of can't talk about uh, that really brought that point home. Um, and the the one thing I will say is is advice for whatever it's worth. Uh, if you are working in larger organizations or working with with teams of other people who have their own perspectives on what's important and what's not, it truly is important to to gently but firmly stand your ground when necessary to be able to say for the sake of of the end user let's keep in mind that you know an end user will not care at all about how something is done it, they only really care about how the end product makes them feel when they use it and i've oftentimes along with millions of other people you know refer to a quote by Maya Angelou um, who basically who said said something a fact that people won't remember what you what the, what you said They'll remember how you made them feel, and I think the same thing appears in software. It's so damn easy when you have teams of people working together. Everybody gets into the minutia of their APIs and how things are are made to work, and how it works, and and what's convenient to do or whatever. 
But then in the end, <laughs> somewhere it, it hits glass and people touch it or whatever. It hits screen, you interact with a, with a, with a remote or a mouse or whatever. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's super important to always remember that ultimately it's the end user that, that is, is, is affected by choices that are made. Um, so there's my little bit of philosophy that I'm still excited about. And I will say that, that the, the, the position I advocated for seems to be winning out. <laughs> and that's about as far as I can go. And I'm sorry about that. Well, that was, um, yeah, that was it. Actually, John's, actually, vague. It? Uh, John's vague segments. Yes, <laughs> in there. Yeah, how, how vague can John be? Well, the Money Was Saga is uh, plodding on this week. We're we're still in beta, and you know, um, I think because it's probably been a little while since I've said it. You know, um, you know, sync is hard, uh, and particularly when. Um, you don't have access to the full six system. Uh, as people who've been listening to this podcast for a little while will know, we've chosen to implement Moneywell Sync uh, system based on iCloud. Um, uh, and that's that's fantastic. It means we don't have to have a back-end infrastructure for it. Uh, we don't need to have access to people's data um, and, and, and all that good stuff. But... It equally can be a problem because we don't have access to it. It's a black box. When something just stops working or doesn't work, then um, you have problems. And, you know, equally, you know, I don't think people necessarily understand the iCloud support they have on their phone and computer. Um, They know they have this thing, but they don't. I think many people probably don't necessarily understand that they have what is actually quite a small amount of storage space in iCloud. And if they have a lot of photos, then that's probably using all of it up. Uh, and therefore, that can cause problems that, you know, um, you know syncing just doesn't work because people run out of iCloud storage space. Um, and that's, you know, quite hard to portray. Well, why isn't this? Because things like photos just stop backing up if you don't mm-hmm. have enough iCloud storage space. I mean, they do warn you um, from now and again, but it's, uh, you know, but people don't expect Sync to just stop working because you run out of um, uh, your iCloud storage. And, you know, for the majority of people, it's not necessarily going to be an issue because, you know, even when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of transactions, the data is actually still reasonably small and reasonably compressible. And so it's not that big. But then, you know, one thing people like to do in their um, uh, financial applications is make attachments of receipts and invoices mm. and things like that. Um, of course, if you then end up with like 20,000 JPEGs or 20,000 PDFs and people are looking to sync those, um, then, you know, that's going to take 20, you know, however much space of iCloud storage for that syncing to happen uh, in there at, at some point. So, um, you know, I, I, we've come across that this is probably edge casing because we've not you know we've we've not really seen this we've only really seen this through one user who who really did have a lot of attachments um in there but it did raise something that we'd not necessarily cope with in there so now of course you know if we were running our own back end using s3 or some other storage uh we could give people as much space as we like 
that may not be financially viable and that may not you know work business wise but technically you can do it but you know when you give people control of their own storage um you add another um uh, another thing that we cannot control to the operation and yet need to learn how to identify uh, and store. Now, obviously, we're not going to get too hung up about this right now. It's not going to affect the vast majority of people. Our standard support response will be, you know, go to this screen, check your iCloud space. If you don't have enough, buy more. Um, and that will probably satisfy each person. Um, identifying how we report that, because we can't necessarily, we don't necessarily know that the reason it failed is because it didn't have enough space. Um, that's not always obvious. Uh, we just know that a sync failed um, or wasn't happening for anything. So, yeah, it's just uh, opened opened another door of sync is hard. The saga continues. That is very difficult. Um, and I'm curious about something because I don't know. I guess there's no end user control that says um, always make available this amount of buffer because I can imagine how unbelievably frustrating it is for you as developers and certainly for end users to be able to say for want of one single backed up high res image, because I, it, it, then I lose the ability to, to, to complete a sync for a, a, a series of, of transactions, which as you point out without attachments, I think somebody's entire financial transaction history could be compressed down to one single high res image, certainly one meaningfully, you know, long video. And I guess that you would not be able to explain that to an end customer. It's like, okay, make sure that you do your tuning. So you allocate, you know, this buffer to, to, to money well versus photo. Nobody understands anything about that. And that's Apple's thing has always been you should not bother users with those things. You should either just do the right thing until it becomes egregiously off off track or whatever. Because, I, I, you know, I, I have run into that, I, as you might imagine, have lots of photos and video, and I pay to have the maximum storage space um, possible, which I think is, is, is four, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, I can't remember what it is, four gigabyte, no, more than that. I don't know. That's a lot. Um, but it's, it's, it's less than I want. I, I kind of, I'm, I would like to pay effectively for unlimited space. Like no matter how much put up stuff I, I, I need, I'll put it up Just send me the bill, you know, put it across long-term storage and, and, and kind of, you know, more, you know, immediate access storage. And I don't care if my software has to, to, to realize that something is not online. You know, basically do what the photos app does, but you know, as a third party, I, I definitely understand how you don't have fine control over that. And you're left having to try and explain it to, to your customers, how Apple's, you know, Apple's policy affect you. So I definitely feel your pain on that. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll yeah. see how it goes. I, I mean, it's not I, that often, there, I guess. There are, no, I think, and, you know, there are lots of benefits and, you know, just particularly financial benefits to not us having to pay for any storage for people's, you know, therefore sync is not, is basically a, um, you know, zero cost option as far as run cost concerns, obviously not development cost mm-hmm. um, it concerns, which, it, which you know, has has loads of advantages. But, you know, um, there we are. We will see how it goes. I mean, I, I, you know, we're, we're dealing with hundreds of um, devel- uh, people at the moment, you know, not thousands. So it's very small sample size. You know, when the app goes out there, um, you know, we promote it on this podcast and, you know, it gets downloaded by 10 million people and, you know, a million of them buy it straight away because they say, oh, my God, this is so good. Um, we'll see how it goes. Wow. 
<laughs> There's Barky. Barky is <laughs> Bark, Barky is already waiting. Basically, he's like, dude, it's gonna go terrible. And would you, would you, would you note the time? The time has just come up here at, at five p.m. Uh, Seventeen hundred or nine 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 a.m. PST, which is food time for Barky. He knows. He knows it's food time. He knows it's now five p.m. It's time to bark. No rubbish. I, no, Barky is much smarter than that. And Barky knew that what you were saying, and Barky would just say, "Yeah, bullshit." <laughs> You're, fair you, we are. Yeah, be fair to Barky's intelligence. There we are. Wow. Maybe maybe Barky needs a Twitter account so he can explain himself. Yeah, we'll we'll see. And talking of Twitter, John, if people wanted to uh, uh, to get hold of you and and uh, tell you how how they enjoy you telling them nothing in your vague section, how um, <laughs> should they do that? Well, you know, Scotty, I have no idea. But if people want to tell me, you lend me support against this this. You know, tsunami <laughs> of meanness <laughs> that it comes my way every time I record with you, your angry ass. They might find me on the place where everybody is a happy ass, Twitter, <laughs> where you'll find me as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to, you know, help you see that it's much nicer to be nice to people and animals and colleagues and family members... Where might they do that? They can do that at the home of all niceness, the home of all family unity and kind, <laughs> kindness and love to all. That is Twitter, where I am MacDevNet. <laughs> well, John, it's a, a slightly short sh- show, but, you know, Barky's got to be fed, so mm-hmm. there we are. In there, so it's been a, a pleasure as always. And uh, to whoever our uh, whoever our um, lovely listeners this week, we we hope that you uh, you found something in there that will will both nourish your brain and your soul for the next seven days. So thanks for listening, and until next time, you take care to feed your dog on time. <laughs> Thank you.